Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks to everybody for checking out the series uh, with all the new episodes and interviews. There's a new one released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three per week. Always appreciate you listening. Always appreciate you uh, leaving comments. Uh, to those who have given the series a rating uh, and left a review in the places that you can do that, I'm always grateful for that as well. So thank you. If you're not a subscriber, uh, you've landed here somehow. And so you like this type of thing. You like keeping up with your favorite artists. You probably like discovering new artists or just uh, knowing what's going on in music. So uh, hit the subscribe button wherever you get your favorite podcast from. Of course, you can do it at iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can do it at uh, Spotify, YouTube, and every single place that has podcasts, you can find it. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Archers of Loaf. I'm talking with Eric Bachman. I'm going to say the band are back. They've, of course, kind of been back, and they reunited back in 2011-2012 for tour, but it's taken till now, till this year, for new music. And I'm going to be talking with Eric about why they came back, what brought them back uh, you know, nearly a decade ago, why it's taken so long. 
and what this new music means. From the first single, Raleigh Days, we'll get the backstory on it, uh, on the lyrics, on the music. We'll also hear what to expect from future music. Um, is there an album? Is it a single series? Eric's going to tell us all of that. We're going to hear what it means to write Archers of Vogue music. Now, if you followed uh, Eric Bachman's career since the band broke up in the late 90s, uh, he went on to found Crooked Fingers. He's had a great solo career, both with beautiful music that doesn't exactly sound like Archers of Loaf. So when he puts the clothes back on, when he takes the character back out of the box, and that's something he's going to tell you about right there too, what does that mean? What does it feel like to write specifically, uh, not just for Archers of Loaf, but for something that so many folks, myself included, have strong nostalgic ties to. And now beyond all that, speaking of nostalgic ties, it is the 25th anniversary of their second album called Vivi. So we're also going to touch upon that. It was an album that uh, that they called at the time an album about rocking out, which also intended or not put uh, put a mirror up against uh, the scene at that time, the scene that they were a part of. It's a classic album uh, and a really interesting conversation with Eric Bachman. Let's jump into it. It's Kyle Meredith with Archers of Loaf. Hey, Kyle, this is Eric Bachman calling. First, it is so exciting. I mean, for the past decade, I guess we've been able to say the, you know, Archers of Loaf are back, but it really feels like it's different this time, obviously, because because there's new music involved. Um, and I guess we'll back up because the reunion originally came in, in what, 2012? Was that it? Yeah, I think 2011, 2012. That's right. Yeah. So if you don't mind backing up a little bit, what was, what, why did you all choose then to come back? What brought you back at that point? So in my mind, I was going to try and present new songs to the band or see if they had anything or see if we could figure anything out. But I had just come back from overseas. I had sort of taken a break. I was in Taiwan for a few months back. I was offered a production job with a band, and I did that. And then I was thinking, well, we had been talking about it, but Sean Nolan, who's the, the the manager of the Archers, had presented the idea to merge, of reissuing it, and had discussed it with me a little bit. So we knew that we wanted to reissue the old albums, and that was the main reason for reuniting, to promote the reissue of that. And in the back of our mind, we tried. We were thinking, yeah, let's do something, but nothing was happening. There was, no, there was nothing. I had sort of found my voice in a way that wasn't compatible with the Archers, and I had to figure out how to navigate it. You don't want to tarnish anything that you, you do something new that's not good and, you know, that doesn't match what the band was doing before. So it's a, it's a complex thing when you try to go backwards or look backwards to present something that's supposed to be looking forwards. How do you navigate that? You know? I mean, I think you have all have said before that, you you know, you don't want exactly to rehash the past. We're doing this. So, so, so how do you overcome that? You know, I mean, how, how do you, you you speak to something that happens, you know, over that that ended over 20 years ago, but still find that new spark. So I think there's levity in your mind. You have to just not care what anybody thinks to some degree. And I'm fairly good at that. But uh, <laughs> that's the main thing. And you just kind of have to move forward. And you enjoy, I mean, the, the thing about working with Matt, Mark, and Eric, the Archers, uh, is that there's a chemistry there that I haven't been able to find anywhere else. Like I've done it for a long time after the Archers doing my own thing. And it's just hard to find chemistry like that. Um, there's been people that I've had chemistry with that well individuals and that's great but to have four people that are kind of from the same town with the same aesthetic with the same sensibilities it's very hard to find and then to have that sort of mysterious chemistry or whatever so i was missing that and i wanted to do that and i think the the desire to do that just made me work harder on it and work more on songs and i, I actually i think raleigh days is actually uh the first one we released is is good in the sense that it is kind of rehashing uh what we did i mean just to be candid it is kind of what we used to do but the good thing about it is we have about nine, about five other ones we finished, and we have about eight or nine more I'm working on that are going to be 
different. That'll be something maybe where Watch Out Cheers left off or maybe something just completely different. So I thought it was a good way to start it, you know, because this is something that isn't, isn't exactly foreign. It won't be foreign to Archer's a low fan. This will be something they'll recognize, you know. So it, it's baby steps and you, you just kind of don't worry too much. Well, if this isn't going to be well received, I, I like it. You know, I think I believe in it. So here we go, you know. But I, I think, you know, to a point, though, that's um, like if you're re- reuniting something, if you're putting the band back together for something that, you know, for a large part of it, beyond the itch that you, you know, were looking to scratch beyond finding that chemistry again, I mean, you, you can't get away from speaking to the past, right? So, I mean, to, to a certain degree, you are speaking to a nostalgia that fans have and have wanted to to regain to some point, right? Yeah, and that you have. That, that I mean, I had a good time for the most part, for the first three or four years, had a really good time in that band. So yeah, yeah, that's right. You have to be honest about what it is. It's fun when it works. You know, if it's working, it's great. And if it's not working, you just feel like a moron. You know, you just, it's horrible and you feel unconfident and you, so I'm sure as, I, as I'm talking to you now, it's early in the new thing. And obviously we're not sure when the shows will be rescheduled because of what's happening with coronavirus. But when that starts taking place again, I'm sure there'll be new songs that I'll play in front of people that I'll kind of cringe as I play them. And I'll be like, oh man, this, this isn't, this isn't holding up or this isn't. But the interesting thing about that is after that, 15 years after that, I used to do that with Icky Metal or with uh, Vivi, the old Archer's records, I would do that. And now I don't do that. So you, your relationship with and your opinion of what you did in the past is always in my for me is always changing. Things that I used to think weren't good are now are now good or now at least presentable. You know that you something you believe in, and you, for the longest time you would play it and be like, man, the rest of the band likes this, so I play it. But I don't like this song, you know. And then things that they don't like you play, and you know it's just kind of. It, it's evolving constantly. Well, let, let's hit on that because I should compliment you. Raleigh Days, right now, it's my favorite song. It's it's my I can't get enough of it. It just it feels you. great, you know. Like I don't I don't even know the references because I'm not from Raleigh and I, I was not in the scene at that point. You know, I was listening to you guys. Of course, I was a little bit younger, but uh, but it doesn't matter. Like I don't need to know those references. But 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 I would love to hear you talk about this a little bit more because as you've as you've said. It is about checking out that scene that you guys came from, and uh, and I think from a you know the message you left me and everything, it has to do a lot with uh, overheard drunken conversations and a face to face sort of scene. What was the idea and the concept there, and and how do you remember drunken conversations from <laughs> yeah, right. you know that long yeah. ago? You don't really remember very well, and so you can kind of fictionalize it too. You can kind of remember it, but the the thing about that song is is pretty vague. The lyric is pretty vague. I didn't want it to be too specific. One, because like you say, you can't remember details, but I know that, you know, we're not from Raleigh. We're, we're from Carborough, Chapel Hill, and Asheville, North mm-hmm. Carolina. But I mean, we played there a bunch, but we played at the Fallout Center a few times. But it, 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 had a, it had a swagger when it was written. I wrote it a little bit slower when I wrote it, the progression. And uh, I wrote it, I wanted it to be faster just to get out of a certain, when, when you, the faster you made it, the more, uh, it, was a, it was a tough thing because the faster it, it went, the less Iggy Pop swagger it had. The faster it got, you know, it kind of lost that thing. So you had to find the right tempo. And when you when you sing lyrics like that, they're kind of bouncing around it like that. It, it, the tempo really matters. So I'm thinking about stuff like that. And the lyrics are really so uh, suggestive. I really want to let people in. I really want people to not think it's about a specific thing. To me, it's about very specific things. Overhearing conversations at the merch table of, of people that are in bands that are just saying ridiculously foolish stuff, you know, or they're just drunk or they're saying really funny stuff or they're, you know, you don't want to be too gossip or anything, but it is in there and everybody relates to it. And everybody comes from a community. If they're playing music, at least in the nineties, they did now it's a little different with the internet being kind of the, the global community, but 
back then, everybody, whether you were from Chapel Hill or you were from, you know, Bellingham, Washington, or whether you were from San Jose, California, or wherever you were from, you had a little community that you were coming from, and there were those venues. So I felt like it would be a universal appeal that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I also, it's essentially, I'm gossiping. You know, you're kind of just talking about kind of people saying stupid stuff, you know, and you don't put a name on it because you don't want to talk trash about anybody. But, <laughs> but it's, it's that, you know. Well, we, you know, we put so much myth on the past, and especially, you know, pre-internet scenes, you know, the, the way they're talked about and everything. So, so uh, you know, I completely get what you're saying. Uh, obviously, here in Louisville, we've got our own history with those moments, too. And, and oh, I had mine, you know, growing up. But but there's something about hearing someone from one of those mythological scenes, those legendary scenes, however you want to paint it, kind of, kind of crack yeah. that door a little bit and let the light in. Yeah, it's definitely – I definitely wanted it to be relatable. And I think what you're saying is right where it's very – you know, everybody comes from. If you're if you're a music fan and you're from a, a town, that that town has the same kind of kind of a gossipy humor, you know, thing that you can look back on and kind of laugh at. But there's no doubt I overthink this stuff. You you ride it to a point and you have to kind of unravel. You want to keep it straightforward and you want to keep it. You don't want to override it. You know, you don't want to make it too specific so people can still get into it. You know, so it's a funny thing. That's an exercise in leaving stuff out. You know, and archers, a lot of archers of what music is lyrically is is leave, leaving stuff out. You know. Well, it's a perfect rock song. I'll, I'll say that, just Thanks. as far as I, I feel anyway. So since the Archers left and everything, you, you've had sort of the dual life, you know, whether, you know, it was, uh, it was Crooked Fingers or, or your solo stuff. Now that you have this back on, I mean, do you know when you're trying to write an Archer song, does that mean a certain style for you? Yeah, you know, it's different characters. It's, it's very, you know, it's I'm a very, very, very big David Bowie fan, very big Bruce Springsteen fan. So, you, you know, these, these people mastered the art of writing from a character, uh, even Towns fans and everybody really that writes well. But, you know, you kind of, at this point, it's, it's very, nothing's easy, but it's very clear that what I have to do to get a song written for the Archers is sing from this guy that hates commerce and hates Walmart and, and is bitter about his relationships. That guy is a real part of my personality, you know. that's There's that part about me that's accurate. But if I'm writing a, a Crooked Finger song or a solo song, I'm, I'm writing from a, a different character. I'm, I'm writing from a different part of my personality. And so it's at this point, they're kind of compartmentalized, but there is some crossover. And I think there's melodic sensibilities that are in all of it that I can't avoid, that I can't even hear. You know, somebody that had worked at Alias, the label Archers were on, was at the, the Nashville show, the last show we played. And, and they were talking about how some of the, how Raleigh Days, some of it sounds like Crooked Fingers. And I'm like, I don't even hear that, man. I can't even hear. To me, it doesn't sound like that at all. But I get her, I get her point because it's still the same melodic sensibility that I have in, uh, in everything, you know. But Archers is definitely more of a smart ass stance. It's more of a person that's, you know, gotta, gonna be making fun of things or gonna be a little bit snide or, which is, as I get older, is less and less. I'm not like that as much as I used to be, but I can still remember that person I, I that, that part of my personality that's still in there. I just sort of, I guess, matured or something is the right word, or at least know that, that uh, energizing that part of your personality gets you nowhere, you know, in real life. It just, it just, it just ruins your life. It just makes you a negative creep, you know? So it's fun to be, it's almost a good valve because <laughs> you can get it out of your system in a way that's not hurting anybody and maybe people get joy out of, but <laughs> it was more sincere in my twenties, you know? <laughs> That's it. You know, for the, for this, you know, you talk about it being a character like that, regardless of, you know, how much it is a part of you. Does that mean this character was put away in the box for this long and it's you kind of brought him back out for the songwriting? Does it feel like yeah. that anyway? Yeah, it does. It feels it feels like that. And, and it feels like it doesn't feel uh, insincere or anything. It just feels very uh, it's, it's more fun kind of because you're not attached to it as much. You know, writing, 
you know, when you you kind of just <laughs> it's so difficult to do something good. And you've written if you write ten things, two of them if you get two of them that are okay. <laughs> I feel like it's just very difficult, you know, and, and the bar is set so high with people in the past and other artists. And so it's hard to, uh, when you're, you're asking a question like that, it's hard to, it's almost like if I answer it, I ruin it. You right, know, if I, right. if I, if I, if I know the answer to it, it, it kills it or something. So I just try to write from a perception. I know a, per, a personality trait that I have that I can hyperbolize. Right. And, uh, it, it was not exercised in all those years doing crooked fingers, or, but it's still there. And uh, to bring it back out wasn't that challenging. It was just more: do I want to bring it back out? Do I want to do that? You know. I'm personally glad uh, you have so far. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can. Do it. I did it, so I obviously was okay with it. But so, so what does that mean for the rest of the songs? Then, I mean, you said you know, Rally Days, it does kind of pick up where you all left off, but you're saying also that we should not expect that from some of the other ones. Well, some there's some there's certainly more. It's all rock, you know. It's none of it's going to be. There's one song that we did that we kind of we got, we always go into the studio with like five or six songs. We're going to be doing that again later, and uh, we have one wild card where we just kind of leave it. Let's not let's not arrange this here. Let's just build something in the studio because it's fun to do that, you know. And everybody at this point, all of our past idiosyncrasies and, and relationship problems are gone because we just have had so much time and perspective that we kind of get along really well now. So uh, it's very fun to work in the studio, which it didn't always used to be. But I would say that it's all guitar, bass, and drums. I went into it thinking I don't want to do anything where I have to bring more gear. <laughs> I want to carry my two guitars that I use, maybe bring a, that little keyboard I have. And I kind of wanted to make sure that it was all within that. But that's an infinite thing. You can still do anything with that. But I think there's some that are equally, you know, rocking, equally kind of fast and have that swagger. There's some that have that, but I think maybe the tonality of the guitars are a little different. And, and maybe the, uh, you know, EG and I, Eric Johnson and I spend a lot of time before even presenting it to Matt and Mark, we, we, we send files back and forth and I'll send him a song and he'll like write his guitar part. And I'll say, well, I'm going to change my guitar part to do this over the same chord progression. And he'll change his, and we just kind of have a dialogue that back and forth. So there's levels at which that stuff varies. And the more we spend time doing that, the further it moves forward. So I think it's going to be, there's going to be some slow ones and there's going to be some even, even faster ones. You know, I'm working on one right now. Now, as, as I was working today on, a, on one that I'm trying to finish, and it started off really fast, and now I've slowed it down, and I'm about to speed it back up. It just takes time, you know. So what I have written, I, it'll might even change when I present it to, to Mark and Matt and Eric. You know, they'll see things change. You know, what's, a, what's the plan from there, though? I mean, is it still just going to be singles like this? Because it doesn't sound like you guys yeah. are like wrapping up the album or anything. No, no, no. And we didn't. I mean, in this day and age, man, we didn't really want to do that because it's. You know, we might. I think we just wanted to put out digital singles every three or four months just to have a reason to play, you know, and have something to promote. And because the internet is so fast and Spotify and all this stuff, all the worlds that, that, that changed, and we just kind of wanted to do that. Putting together an album was causing me to have a writer's block. I couldn't, that's that's part of what, one of the previous questions you answered, why we brought it back. I couldn't figure out how to write songs for it because I just didn't want to write an album. I didn't have a whole, I couldn't use that character or that perspective to write 12 songs, 14 songs and 50, whatever it takes, you know, to make an album. And so I, I, I ended up just therapeutically saying, well, just write one and don't worry about it. And it, they started to come out, you know? So I thought, well, that's how you do it, man. That's how you beat your writer's block with this. Just, just write singles, you know? And so now it's a matter of, we'll just put out a few singles, maybe even a few seven inches. And then maybe in a year or two, maybe if there's enough, then uh, Merge might put out a compilation or something. Yeah. Yeah. or whatever but it wouldn't be a cohesive album and that could change of course if if something happens creatively where it comes together but when i start thinking of it that way man i just shut down i can't i can't do it so for whatever reason I, i'm not complaining i mean whatever just keeps the faucet on you know it's <laughs> it's yeah. better than the alternative I mean, sure 
yeah, it's it's still songs, and it's still. I mean, in a way, it, it's almost more rewarding because there's always something new. It's not like you put out an album and then like three years later there's another album. Mm-hmm. So it's like we'll try to keep putting out a new sounding thing every two or three months, three or four months, whatever. Uh, personally, it keeps me closer to the song. As you're saying, with streaming, the way it goes, I mean, everything does come and go so fast. You don't e- even as an album fan. You know, I'm an album fan. It's not like I spend as much time with an album as I used to or anything like this. So this, I know this song. I get to live yeah. this song. You know, it's I get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I love the idea of, I mean, I, I'm like you where I'm, a, I'm, I don't really listen to singles per se, I like albums and I'll, I, I ritualistically listen to an album, I'll put it on and just listen to it. And I love listening to music that way, it's the way I grew up. So, but I, I just feel like it was really just a matter of, of the, the ability, the writer's block. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get to a point when I thought album, shit, album, you know, how do I do, I do this? I know it's it's just so much to do, you know. Uh, of course, I do it all the time with other stuff, and I should be able to do it. But for some reason, moving back, moving backwards, and trying to re, you know, just sort of reinvent archers or redo archers, whatever, however you want to call it, it was very stifling. I couldn't figure it out. Right. So one at a time, slow and steady, you know. Well, speaking of the past, I'll kind of wrap up with this if you don't mind, because it's the 20th anniversary. You mentioned VV earlier, and uh, and, it, and it hits uh, 25 this year. And and just a quick revisit on that. I was I was um I was trying to find some old interviews. I think I ran across it was CMJ probably where you all were doing one. It's always interesting hearing an artist talk about a record in that moment that was so long ago and 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 what it represents to them then versus what it represents to them now. But more or less, it was kind of summed up like this was a record about rocking out. This was a record about rock and roll. Is that how you still see it? Look, the only thing I I cringe uh, about is that you're basically it's it's the sound of white privilege. You know, it's kind of like you know, oh, I'm sorry, your record label is. I'm sorry, you're a middle class white kid who had <laughs> who has this problem with your label. You know, you're very fortunate to uh, be able to do music at all, in especially in the modern world we live in. But but at the same time, you live in the context of your life. So, and I don't think anything we said was inaccurate. You know, mm-hmm. or anything that I was bitching about was inaccurate. Uh, and it does give you a perspective to write from. So I do think it was a record about not only music and and how it creates community, but also how you criticize it. You know, and how you can look at somebody just because of a sound they made and not like them. You know, it's ridiculous. It's silly. You know that people have different tastes. It's fine. But that character is fun to write from. And and uh, obviously the EP and VV were very much us sort of being shocked by the fact like, oh, oh, these people sign you and give you money for a van because they need to make money. You know, they to, they're going to give you money because they want to make money off of you. And that we were frustrated by that shows how naive we were. But it's also a very honest response. And we, the music did matter to us, you know, so we didn't want them, you know, using it in a way that was distasteful to us or whatever. And there's a great line in there, too, where you say the underground is overcrowded. And I thought, man, the more things change, the more they stay the same, too. That's uh... <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You come on a lyric like that and you feel like, uh, you know, it's the way that started. I'm, I'm, I'm by myself. For some reason, I stayed after on a European tour. I stayed behind and I was by myself with like three guitars on the, the, the London subway system. Mm-hmm. And I just remember having all these freaking guitars and I'm sitting there, the train is packed, you know, and I, that's where I came up with the lyric for The Underground is Overcrowded. And of course, coming up with it and putting it in the song, I knew it was going to mean more than that. But it is funny how things come to you. You know, they're very unintentional. They're very, you just kind of have to grab them. Sure. Uh, because now, there, I mean, is there an underground? I don't know. Now, is there anything that, now it seems there isn't. If there is, we don't know about it, you know, well, because I, it's so shoved, shoved so far down. Yeah, I guess that, the internet. I guess that's what I was saying because there because there's just so much. There's just so much, and yeah. there definitely is still a mainstream. 
And to me, if there's a mainstream, yeah. then there's an underground, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, and, and, I, and I wasn't really, I'm not projecting, of course, just more of a comment of like uh, how in those same ways, you know, a, a musician in their 20s, 25 years ago, isn't so different than a musician in their 20s and the things that they would have to, uh, you know, complain about <laughs> now. Right. So. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And it is like it is true. The internet didn't crush the MMs; just gave it an avenue to to be heard. So it's less. It's just it's, it's bigger now, like you're saying. So I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's overwhelming, right? Uh, and not necessarily in a bad way, you know. Yeah, there are less staples on the uh, on the phone lines on the on the phone poles anyway. <laughs> yeah, and nobody knows the name. Like the last band that existed where you knew the names of everybody in the band was like REM or U2 or something. Right. Nobody, right. nobody knows the band names of Arcade Fire or whatever. They don't know. They don't know the they might know the singer or something, but I miss that. You know, <laughs> I do too. What a sad note to end this on. This music is so fucking good. Uh, the new Archers uh, with, with with Raleigh Days. I cannot wait to hear what comes next. I, I seriously can't. You've uh, you've set the bar high already. So keep Thanks. going. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're, we'll do our best. I don't know how it'll go, but we feel, uh, you know, you put it out because you believe in it. So yeah. to some degree. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you believing in it. Eric, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. We'll thank see you, you around, man. Take care. See you around, man. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. My thanks to Eric Bachman. Archers of Loafer back. The new single is called Raleigh Days. Sounds like we got plenty more to look forward to after this one as well. So we'll keep our ears open for those. Thanks to you for checking out the uh, the episode here. You've made it to the end. Uh, congratulations. Hopefully you enjoyed it enough where you're like, hey, I like these things. I'm going to subscribe to the series. Again, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can find us there. You can also find us at Spotify or even YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. If you can give the series a rating, that's always a huge help. But uh, at the least, would love to have you as a subscriber. And if you find some inspiration, you can say hi in uh, the comment box. Tell me where you're listening from, something you liked about the interview, or just how much you love that Archer's a loafer back. After that, head to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres and music news and anniversary spins and bonus interviews, too. Again, that's WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me on just about any social media platform, at Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris. The list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.